Welcome to Love Requited Etc., a podcast of love and life stories, stories about unconventional, untethered, and sometimes unreturned love. This podcast is for mature audiences only, as it can sometimes be sexually explicit. I am Reverend Liliana Barzola, a spiritual and intuitive healer, creator of Lotus Lantern Healing Arts. Episode 2, All Sex Positions Are Just Physics and Architecture. Meet Drew Vandiver, writer, actor, and lover of sluts. Listen as he shares his philosophies on love unrequited, sexual preferences, and dating. Hello? (laughs) Drew, it's Liliana. I am doing a series on love, sex, unrequited love, unconventional love, and I really couldn't think of anybody better to talk to than Drew Vandiver. Okay. I am going to pick your brain. I hope you're ready. Pick away. (laughs) So, Drew, do you have an unrequited love? Is there someone that you still go back to in your head and your heart? You know, once a week, once a month, and you think that's the one that got away? Absolutely. More than one, I think. (laughs) Even better. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just having this thought uh, last week. There are a couple of girls in my past that I I think that about sometimes. And uh, one of them... I sent a message to. I, I thought about it, and I, I sent her a message about that. When we met, I was so head over heels for her, and she thought I was great, but was did, did not share that feeling. The time came that she decided I was fantastic. I don't know if it was because I am just thick, or I didn't notice, or what have you, but she decided, she said, I want to move out to L.A., and I didn't realize she was saying, I want to move out and be with you. So I I said, yeah, there's an extra room in my house. Feel free, move in. And she moved in, and I I didn't notice that she was being my girlfriend until until she decided to leave. And then it was funny that over the years we've seen each other, and there always seems to be... I always have this, this sort of feeling, oh, my God, she's so beautiful, and she loves me so much, and she believes in me so much. Maybe she's the one. And then when we get together, it never seems to work out. Huh. It's like a, it's like a sandwich that you think is going to be really tasty. It gives you indigestion every fucking time. <laughs> is it because it just doesn't jive? or I mean, do you start looking at her and finding her less attractive? I mean, what, what is it? Tell me more. Yes, I, I, when I get with her, my idea of her is much more attractive than she is. I, I think in many ways she's damaged. She has this, that kind of overt sexuality that I crave that seems to correlate with girls who've been sexually abused when they were younger. Uh-huh. When they, they become a sexual being before they are in any way responsible or in charge or in receipt of their sexuality. Yeah, and there's this sort of semphatalness uh, to them, and I I go for that because what that makes me feel or makes me think is this 
it makes me think of Rita Hayworth. It makes me think of, uh, you know, this, this 40s broad who's, who's totally in, in receipt of her sexuality, the Mae West thing. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times what happens is then I get there and find out, oh, you're not in receipt of that. That's what it seems like mm-hmm. because there's just some trauma there. I've never been able to get her to talk about that trauma. I, I just always acknowledged it to her, not in a question, but in a statement. I know it's there. I feel it. But she's never been able or willing to, probably able, to talk about it. And that thing where you're not able to tear, the, not just open the curtain, but tear it down with me, mm-hmm. I lose attraction very quickly with that. Yeah, so the vulnerability, right. the intimacy. Yeah, because I struggle with vulnerability and intimacy, too. So if if you're going to struggle with it, I can't, I can't handle it. I need I need to be able to let to to be totally vulnerable or or I can't and if and that thing I know it's the trauma thing but I also it's just there you're holding back part of yourself from me and there's nothing I can do with that. So is it painful yeah. for you? I mean when you think about it do you kind of ache for like god I wish it was different or is it just like kind of a friendly like oh man I really like her? More of an ache because she's just so relentlessly gorgeous. Just uh, um, overwhelmingly gorgeous. Yes, and French is her first language, and that's exotic to me. And she has that uh, exotic, dark-haired, you know, belongs in a French movie kind of thing. And it just, it aches. I almost can't figure out if it work and if the timing has been off or if there's something that doesn't work about it. And it's just every time I go back to it, it doesn't work out. It, it, it aches. I hate that. But she's um, she's one of those people who thinks I hung the moon. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time in my life, for whatever reason, those people scared me because I didn't think I was worthy. And so you, there must be something wrong with you if you think I'm awesome. Now I'm at a place where, no, I'm fucking magnificent. And I really like people who, who honestly recognize that. You know, it's extremely attractive to me. Never, we've never been able to get that one to work out. There's a girl I think about all the time that I never dated. Ooh, this but is I've good. Always... An unrequited love that never got requited. I don't know. How do you say that? You're the wordsmith. I don't know. And I've always had a crush on her. It's funny because we're we're friends, and we were talking recently. I was at a party she was at, and and I didn't know anybody else at the party, so she was introducing me. And someone said, how do you know Drew? And she said, well, Drew and I met, and... We couldn't stand each other because we are both the biggest person in the room and we both require all of the oxygen in the room. Drove each other crazy because we couldn't stand the other per- that the other person was such a magnetic, big personality. And that really struck me because I, I realized, yeah. And then as time has gone on, I see her. Just She showed up to my birthday party. I was surprised. I, yeah, I think about her all the time, just all of the time. And she's so smart, recently got her doctorate. As another thing, like being French education is um, exotic to me. So if I uh, want you, I should be either French or well-educated? Yeah, and if you could be a woman, a woman, a French woman who has a doctorate, I probably will worship you. Uh, <laughs> you but, have a type. You have a uh, definite type, Drew. Probably. Well, the funny thing is these two girls, 
nothing alike on the outside. Mm-hmm. The French girl is a slender brunette, very ethereal. The other one is a big, sastic, buxom blonde uh, from the South who is who is not ethereal, ethereal at all. Is very concrete and sort of uh, loud and proud. Yeah, she's just she stays on my mind a lot. I'm so extraordinarily attracted to her, and that one is unrequited in every way. Mm-hmm. And tell me, because, Drew, you got some tricks. Like, you got to give some of your tricks about how you get the ladies. Because I remember there's one story about, like, <laughs> being real into this woman and, and all the guys are fawning over her and you just, like, busted into that circle and, like, made your move. Do you know who I'm talking about? Well, you, I've you, done that more than <laughs> once, but... <laughs> I... Give us an example of your, like... I'm going to take you energy that works every time. Well, almost every time. I had a girlfriend. You know who I'm talking about. You I know, do. You, you know her. And she's just extraordinarily beautiful. And she had this sort of energy, uh, same kind of overt, maybe trauma kind of energy, but it was that overt sexual energy that I love. She had become single, and we were in this theater company, and we were all hanging around, and all the, the guys were just falling all over themselves over her. And she was soaking up the attention. She loved the attention. We all do. And But they were all just pathetic. And they were kind of standing around in like this rugby scrum around her, like dogs at the table hoping for a crumb. And I walked over, and I pushed two of them apart, and I said, uh, look, you're embarrassing yourself. Let me show you something. And I walked right up to her, and I put my nose on her nose. I got that close. I literally touched her nose with my nose, and I said, Hi, my name's Drew. And she said, Hi, and smiled. I said, Look, I get what you're doing, soaking up the attention with all these guys. Great, fantastic, enjoy yourself. When you're ready for something real, serious, somebody who can handle you, you know how to reach me. And I, and I kissed her very lightly on the lips. She kissed me back. I turned around. I walked away, and I left. you got to drop the mic at the end and leave, don't you think? Oh, yeah. That's the other thing. Like, people don't realize. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. You have to. you got to. It's like anything else. You have to make a choice. And most people are afraid of making a choice because making a choice means I could lose. But you can't win if you don't make a choice. And so you have to make a choice. I'm going to do this thing. And part of making the choice is, and when I do it, I got to walk away. Because there's not, there is no... There's no waiting around for the validation. You can't wait around for that. That's You get it by pulling away, creating the space. Yeah, and it's funny because I didn't know what that was until much later that it was basically that I was giving space for you to want me and come to me. That I was that I was creating that space by walking away. Ding 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 ding. And nice work, Drew. The way I go about life is I really like to cut to the chase. I really don't dig the the fucking around, the making of the small talk and the the this kind of thing. It's like, look, I'm pretty sure when I saw you whether or not I wanted to go to bed with you, and I'm pretty sure you did too. So let's find that out. Absolutely. Just, Doesn't that work time. better? Doesn't that work better? Works for me. I've had good results with doing that because one of the things that it does is I find out who's timid and who's not mm-hmm. very quickly, and I don't like timid people. 
I have such so, a matching picture with you on that, Drew. I am the same way. I always have been. I'm. I'm. Would rather be rejected than just sit around twiddling my thumbs, dying to know. Like I just gotta fucking go for it. I mean, I yes. was. I was the girl that would. If if the checker at the checkout grocery store was just like on my mind, I just could not get this person out of my mind. I wrote that fucker a note and was like, "Hey, I've been through your. I always pick your line because you're hot. Here's my number. Call me if you want." Yeah. Let's move forward, people. Exactly. At the very least, I've made your day. At the very least, you go home and you tell your lover a great story. I think the same thing, where at the very least, at the very least, I let you know that I find you devastatingly attractive. And there's no way that doesn't feel good. Partially by by saying it or doing whatever and walking away, one of the things that I'm doing is I'm taking away... The sense of duty, mm-hmm. the sense that you have to give me an answer, that you have to say yes because I'm standing there. No, you don't have to say yes. You ne- you don't have to ever call me. You don't have to everything. But if you don't call me and nothing comes of that, I still believe very strongly that you really liked it that someone was really attracted to you because I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I had some – was with a couple of strangers recently, and – one of them asked me how old I was, and I said, well, I just turned 40. And she said, uh-uh, there's no way. I would have thought, I would have thought you were 30, full energy. And, and then she started hitting on me. Now, I wasn't attracted to her, but it felt so good. It just, I smiled all day long. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed, yeah. Make someone else's day. Exactly. Now, that's different than catcalling, because I'll tell you, in a female body, I hate that shit. I hate when someone's like, damn, girl, you look good. And then if you don't respond, they say something like, say thank you, bitch. That's See, that's not fun. And I, no, that's <laughs> not fun. Just for our but, listeners, just for our listeners, I just thought <laughs> I was just tell Part them. of the reason I guess that's different is catcalling to me just seems useless because there's no way if I yell at somebody a girl on the street that girl is never going to stop and come over and ask for my number that's a waste of my fucking time it's just wasted energy and it you know like i whatever i'm going to do it's going to be a something where there's going to be an if i'm going to take a chance there's an upside to it hell there's no upside to that part of my ability i think to do that is i don't do it with total strangers Uh now i may not have known you for more than three or five minutes but you have a connection. But I have a connection, and I have a sense of you. And I have a sense. One of the reasons I think it work, tends to work very well for me is I do it with people that I get a sense that they're receptive to that. Mm-hmm. In, in some, in like with, I remember uh, this girl who just worked with the nose-to-nose thing. We were, at a, we were in her backyard one night at a party with another couple. And she described to them what I did. Ooh, I want to hear and her the, version. And, well, no, she described it exactly as I did. Oh, wow. And, but the guy in the couple goes, damn, I've always wanted to be able to do that. That's awesome. And the girl in the couple goes, I would not respond well to that. And, and she said, why? And she goes, that it's just, you're just so up in my face. You're just so, you know, and my girlfriend, her response was, oh, I fucking loved it. I, that's all I want is a guy who knows what he wants and goes after it. Most of the women that I'm attracted to are people who know what they want and they go after it and they like they like people in the same vein. Plus, don't you also feel like you would have gotten a sense 
that like, oh, I shouldn't do that with this person. Because people like that put it off too. Like, eh, you know, you stand next to them and they kind of move away. Yeah. I do this thing where I mirror people physically to see their response. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was after the gym class. I, I balanced on one foot and crossed my legs almost like... I was doing some sort of a weird ballet move while I was talking to her and I stood there and watched her mimic that. She moved, she shifted over to one foot and wrapped her other leg. This is not something people just do. You know, literally I watched her mirror me and knew from that moment, oh, okay, you're interested. Got That's it. what people do when they're interested. They mirror. Specifically when we're, uh, women seem to do that. Women seem Yeah, physically. grab the wavelength or something. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like if you I knew, lean in and she leans away. I mean, if you lean in and she leans in, you're like, okay, we're going somewhere here. This is good. This is a good sign. Yeah, and the worst I can do is make an ass out of myself. Well, hell, I've done that anyway. Totally. I mean, we got to get so. over that, I think. I mean, you're going to get rejected. People, not everyone's going to think you're hot or you're funny or whatever. Like, just get over yourself and just be bold. Get out there. Now, Drew, I think yeah. of you as a ladies' man. But, okay. like, that's not really true, though, because, like, you don't have a one-dimensional vision of your sexuality. So, to me, I do. I have kind of a one-dimensional vision of you. I'm like, oh, Drew, the latest man. Like, he knows all. He's got all the tips. <laughs> I call Drew when I'm, like, hurting over my girlfriend. I'm like, I don't right. know. Does she love me? Is it, is it intimacy problems? Is it a commitment? And you just, you just like, give me good advice. So, right. like, talk about sexuality, sensuality. It took me a really long time. I'm 40 years old, and it took me well into my 30s, if not late 30s, before I was able to not just know intellectually, but bring it into my body and understand that to a degree, gender is just a, it's just a sort of a made-up concept, that it's, it's a, it's, there's, there's your soul, for lack of a better word, and the rest of it is just the skin suit you're wearing. I mean, we can, you know, we can bang body parts together, and that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. That's never been enough for me to just bang body parts together. Mm-hmm. And so... For you, you go deeper into the soul and that the body is just one part of it. What you can do in terms of physical pleasure is awesome, but the spiritual connection is the sensual connection, the vibration that you're enjoying with that person is absolutely delicious. And that you don't really care if that person's in a female body or a male body. Not really. I am very attracted to the feminine. Mm-hmm. But the feminine doesn't really have a gender. I was thinking about this recently because I, I, uh, I was looking over charts with somebody. And my chart is Aries Leo, Aries Leo. It's just all fire signs except for my Venus, which is Pisces. Mm. And in so many ways, I am a big on fire masculine presence, except when it comes to Venus, where I am a 13-year-old girl. (laughs) I love it. There is this strange aspect to me that I never fully understood where I always liked the feminine because I was always very, very masculine in so many ways. But when it comes to love and, and, you know, sex and love, there is very much a female energy to me. So, do you like, want to be taken like by a woman or a man? Do you like that part in sex play where someone just takes command? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
And part of it is I'm a big, I'm a big presence. I'm a big energy. So it takes a lot to dominate me. Mm -hmm. When someone can dominate me, I absolutely love it. I love that. And then do you like to take someone? I mean, the, the story of walking up to that woman and like kissing her and telling her when you're right. I mean, that's, I think of that as like taking someone. Yeah, it, it, there is a there's like big club caveman aspect to me that I that I I do that sort of my default. I know from how much I like to get owned in that way how exciting and satisfying it is when I own someone. That sounds really when talented. I I've always been good at that. I haven't always been conscious of why I was good at that. I'm becoming more conscious of why I'm good at that. I'm becoming more conscious. You know, I grew up with a Madonna whore complex, and I'm still working on that. And tell what does that mean? It, like women are are beautiful they're good girls and they're well no they're good girls and they're bad girls and uh uh you the the good girls are not going to be with you if you tell them what your sexual desires are and the bad girls you can't take home to mom because they know your sexual desires and they know what a pervert you are and so they're not people that you can let anybody know about i grew up in the sense of secrets were a good thing because where are you from you're from the south oh the deep south where where they made deliverance Way up in the, on the Appalachian Trail in Georgia. And, um, you know, um, if, if an original thought happened in that place, it would die of boredom. It was just the most, the most awful place. It's very, very beautiful. It's very, very beautiful. But it's, um, it's not original in any way. So you don't tell a, a good girl, to... like, hey, if you throw a strap on, on that sounds kind of fun. You just keep that shit to yourself. Fuck yeah. You don't, yeah, no, 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 no. You don't tell a good girl, you don't tell a good girl, I'd like you to bend me over and use a strap on because she might <laughs> tell her friends and then the good people are going to know you're a pervert. And, and it sounds like it, it's pretty it, easy to be a pervert in that culture, right? Like pretty fast. Not Probably doesn't take much to turn into a pervert in terms of what people think is okay, sex and pleasure. Oh, God, no. There is, no. If, 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 one of the phrases, that, one of the sayings I love around there is the people don't approve of premarital sex around there because they're afraid it might lead to dancing. <laughs> they're they're so incredibly conservative. I imagine that anything, and I don't know that it's just the South. I really don't. I think most people, if you describe sex as anything more than a man, woman, missionary with the lights off, right? There are some people that are going to be surprised by that. And I and but that was about their limit there. Surprise is and, a great word. It is. It's a surprise. It's like, huh? What? There's other things that happen. Yeah, and I was describing that to somebody recently where. Um, when I was probably eight, uh, a male who I considered an authority figure in, in my life sat me down to explain to me that, that um, you, you had to watch out for gay men because they like take you in the bathroom and touch you. Yikes. Because where I'm from, gay and child molesters the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a dirty pervert who needs to be locked up. So I got to college and I was in this play and I had to kiss a guy on stage. It was the first time I'd ever kissed a guy, and I was nervous about it. And then once I did it, I wasn't nervous anymore. But the director, who was gay, made a joke, and he's like, you've got to get over your heterosexuality. We ended up having a conversation where I said, you're gay, right? And I said, yeah. I said, how do you fuck a guy? Like, literally, show me what position you get in. And he and his boyfriend literally got up on the stage. I mean, they're fully clothed, but they got up on the stage, and they showed me all the various positions they like to have sex in. So awesome. And There you go, and being bold like, again, oh. Drew. Just like, let's just figure this shit out. I don't care what people are going to say. Tell me, yeah, what does yeah, it fuck, look like? 
Yeah, tell me, show me. What does that look like? When you watch them do those positions, were you surprised at how, like, normal it seemed? Or did it seem, like, totally bizarre and, like, oh, whoa, people have sex like that? No, it seemed totally normal to me in the sense of, oh, it's just physics. You're just trying to get into the best position to get this in that or this around that. Well, most it's just, pleasure. It's like all, all sex positions are just, they're just physics and architecture. It's just trying to get in. What my surprise was that someone would receive pleasure by, by having something in their ass. Mm-hmm. I had never done that in either way. That had never been a thing I had ever considered. It never occurred to you. No, it never occurred to me. So for the longest time, until, until I was penetrated, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, the receiving gay guy is a woman. He doesn't enjoy this because women don't enjoy sex. That's what I was taught. They do it to make you happy. Wow. And so the, the, the penetrated gay guy, of course, he's just doing whatever makes the other guy happy. It's his it duty. It wasn't until I realized, oh, oh, no, that feels good. That feels really good. It's a duty. Yeah. It's a duty. Mm-hmm. And that was what, part of what I grew up with, was, the, and it sort of fucked up my sense of sexuality, was that women don't like sex. They do it as a duty. Yikes. That blows and my so, mind that you grew up in that culture because when I, again, I think of you as a ladies' man, being one-dimensional again, like, to me, you, you know, you seem, like, very chivalrous, like, you know, so in your first, like, encounters with sex, was that where you figured out, like, oh, actually women like this, or, like, did it take a long time to figure that out? The first time I had sex with a girl, <laughs> she came three times and I didn't come at all. I was 16, she was 15. I had never had sex before, so I didn't. I didn't know how you did it, and like I, <laughs> I kept uh, going in and out of her in these long strokes so much I kept popping out because I didn't know. <laughs> I, I was just sort of trying to figure this out, you know. And, how does and, this um, thing work? How does this work? I don't know. This feels good, but I can't. I can't make this work. She was enjoying herself. Sounds like and, she taught you some stuff, Drew. <laughs> she very much did. See, I've never, I've never in my lifetime had sex with a virgin. She, even though she was 15, I was probably her third uh-huh. around there. Uh-huh. And so she knew what I didn't know. And almost all, it's something I am extremely attracted to women who had a lot of lovers. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that because it switched for me, they, they taught you, when I was in high school, in sex ed, they had this thing they taught the girls. They would take out a piece of gum and they would unwrap it and they'd say, now, is it, does anybody want this gum? And everybody would say yes. And the teacher would put it in her mouth and she would chew it. She would pull it back out and say, now, do you, do you want it now? And people would say no. And she said, well, girls, that's what it's like when you have sex. Everybody you have sex with is chewed on you a little oh bit more. God. And that makes you that. So I'm popping some roses, Drew. <laughs> yeah. And so even then, even then I knew that was bullshit. Mm-hmm. I knew there was something about that that was bullshit. I have always been attracted to women who were the opposite, who were the the Angelina Jolie, the um, sluts, the the sluts. I but and I love that word because I consider it a word of honor. Absolutely, just, there's nothing I love more than a slut. That because that's somebody who knows what they want and they went and got it. And, and it's not and very I popular. It's not popular to say that. So I love that you're saying it's not it, popular too. with men or women. Yeah, it isn't. Mm-mm. But it's that's what I I uh uh-uh. uh I and I I think I, like, I, I, I think a, what makes someone real blood what <laughs> I love you too so much 
<laughs> just give me a real slut. I think also, like, the sluts, like, okay, that just means, as you said, that you enjoy pleasure, that you go for it, that you're bold about it. And I think there's yeah. people who, like, you know, it gets associated with this, like, sort of you're a bad person. And I think the bad right. people are the people that are trying to hurt people, you know, who are trying to be a heartbreaker, be mean, be miserable, be manipulative, be conniving. But someone who just likes to have sex, certainly the millennials that are coming up have a beautiful view of not this just one man, one woman dynamic. You know, they believe in polyamory. They believe their their dating systems are totally different. They don't care as much about gender labels. What do you notice with the millennials? Well, it's funny because I've been dating younger women a lot recently for that reason. I remember being told, <laughs> I remember being told I did a I did a fourth set with my sponsor in AA and part of that is you do a sex inventory. And I my sponsor who's an older guy after we did it uh said, "By the way, don't ever tell a girl that you've been with a man or been with a hooker." And I said, "Why is that?" I said, "It's just going to turn them off. They're not they don't want to know that. They don't want to hear that." And and what was funny about that was is I've been with a hooker one time and I did not like it. She was a lovely girl. She was gifted to me by a, by someone who I knew who was rich, who I did a favor for. She was annoyed by me because she said, oh, you're one of those talkers. You want to sit here and ask me questions all day, don't you? And I said, yes, I'm much more interested <laughs> in that than I am. Like, I, you know, But one of the things I found with younger and younger people, the millennials in, in this generation, is it's almost like girls are more attracted to you if, you, if they find out you've, you're attracted to men or have been with men. Uh-huh. Because they are interested in authenticity, and they know that's their authentic feeling, and they're interested in other people who are willing to be authentic in who they are. I was, I tried to explain that to someone when it comes to politics, that when early on in the election I said, I, 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 think, I think Donald Trump has a better chance of winning than you think he does. He is really good at faking authenticity to a certain subset of people. Mm-hmm. And I and I was arguing for Bernie Sanders, and they said, "Well, you like single payer healthcare." And I said, "No, no, no. I actually don't support half the programs he supports. He's authentically Bernie." Mm-hmm. And right now, I think there is this sense in the world that everything's fake and everything is turned against people, and people are turning to authenticity. So you fight fake authenticity with real authenticity. You're mm-hmm. getting in the weeds about whether or not it's about a tax cut or not. It's not. It's about something much larger than that. And I think with millennials, it's the same thing. They don't know a world without Google and text message. So they've been sending naked pictures to each other since they're 12. Right. Oh, yeah. And so that's not a big, to me, that's still one of the most satisfying things that anyone can do is send me a picture of themselves naked or in their underwear. I have a real thing for underwear. So send me a picture (laughs) of you in your underwear. You have just made my fucking day because I grew up in a time when... Uh, you know, that was not, re- porn was not readily available. available. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to draw you a picture of me naked. Pic- I took a Polaroid. It'll be there in three photo- weeks. Yes. <laughs> it had to be a Polaroid because if you took a picture, you had to take it somewhere oh, and get God, it developed. Yeah. Oh, or, yeah. you know. Yes. So um, yeah. that that was that is a thing that I sort of fetishized because it was so different. But these are people who being naked is not a thing. Sending naked pictures is not a thing. Gender is not a thing. They're beyond that. Mm-hmm. One of my best friends right now is a is a guy who's 18. Part of it is I feel closer to him than I do to people my own age. People my own age are baffle me. 
mm-hmm. with the fucking wanting to redecorate the guest room. Yeah, come come over. Let me show you my guest shit. room. I just redecorated. You love to see. Yeah, it, you know what? Yeah, and oh, I'm worried about the centerpiece for the table when I throw this party. What the fuck? <laughs> Like, I don't... I gotta say, Drew. I, 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 I gotta just don't say, understand Drew, it. I gotta say one more thing. I'm with you. I'm with you on the millennials. I'm dating one right now, and I, I love right. it. It's fucking awesome. She's teaching me a lot. She's blowing my mind. But also, come on, older women, we're hot. Come on. Come on. We gotta well, say something good about... I mean, the thing about women that are older is, or let's say more experienced, more mature, is uh-huh. that they do fucking know what they want and what they like. And I love that, too. The girl that we were talking about, the nose-to-nose girl, she was five years old, and I saw a picture of her recently and is probably more attractive now at 45 than she was at 38. There's a woman in one of my AA meetings who's probably on the backside of 50, probably getting closer to 60, who I think, she's married, but if she wasn't married, I would be all over her. There's like a sultriness to older women, you know? It's like... You know, I think, oddly enough, you know how... You know how they say we're born not being able to take care of ourselves and we go to the middle and then we go back to not being able to take care of ourselves? I think sexuality is almost like that now with the younger, the millennials, they don't give a fuck. They want what they want and they're comfortable. And then women who weren't taught that or didn't come up that way, but when you get to a certain age, you can be comfortable again because why the fuck not? Yep. Totally. This one I'm talking about, who, the, the nose-to-nose, who was five years older than me. The first time I went over to her house, she answered the door in thigh-high heels, garter, underwear, just opened the door. And that's very much an older woman thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's hot. Uh, that's hot as shit. Oh, Jesus. I melted like that scene in Amelie where she becomes water and falls <laughs> to the ground. Like, she opened the door and I just splashed onto her her suit. <laughs> Because uh, that was one of the things that worked. Like uh, almost every day she would send me a picture of herself in the shower or something like that. And she understood how much that, meant that turned me on mm-hmm. and how, how sexy that was. Ooh, and ooh, ooh, and I have all that. the love for the older let's, women. Drew has all the love for the older women. He does. Because we, we don't want to throw you under the bus, buddy. We need a little a little of that. Let's talk about being turned on because I think that's that's the new mm-hmm. permission level with millennials. They give themselves permission to be turned on where the story of, oh God, you know, it's dangerous to be turned on by stuff. If you're married and you're attracted to someone else and you're getting turned on by them, like that is a horror story. That is a terrible, terrible thing where it's like, you know, people watch porn, people look at pictures online, you know, so getting turned it, on. I mean, isn't that most of what sex I think the pleasure of sex is about is just the turn on. It's funny. I haven't thought about it that way, that millennials give themselves permission to be turned on, that that's part of the relinquishing the bond of monogamy or something like that. I was able to put that into words. I was telling somebody recently, you know, I don't, monogamy doesn't matter to me. I'm not against it. It just doesn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. In the same way that uh, someone might say, I'm really only attracted to someone if they have flat, if they have really ripped abs. Well, it's attractive, but it doesn't matter to me. Drew's making fun of me right now because recently I said that. I said I only want ripped abs, so he just outed me. Thanks, Drew. Well, I wasn't thinking about that, but okay. (laughs) Um, Monogamy, by its very nature, is limiting. Uh, The way I look at relationships is if there is anything I am limiting you from having because you're with me, person, place, or thing, I am somehow failing you because I am 
telling you you have to be less than you are. You have to want less than you want. You have to not, you have to sacrifice something to be with me. And I don't want to be in a relationship where sacrifice is necessary to be with me. Mm-hmm. You, whatever it is, person, place, or thing you want to experience, I may not want to join you on all of it, but I want you to experience it. And, and if love is anything, it's I am a home base. I am the safe place where you can bring everything, and it's not just accepted, it's celebrated. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of where I come at non-monogamy from. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful. I think the way you present it, it takes people away from that idea that it's like, oh, you just want to fuck as many people as you can, or you don't care about your partner, and you're bored in your relationship, so you need this other thing. And I think what you're describing is really how the millennials are describing it, which is, I don't want to be limited. I don't want to limit someone. I want it to be expansive. I want our love to be long-lasting, expansive. I want to be that home, just like you're saying. There's this aspect of there's a reason why people get a seven-year itch and marriages break up and this and that. Because we grow and we change. And if we limit what we can experience, we either become a zombie or we get, we get restless and we break away from that. Because we're, if we're going to grow, we're going to grow and we can't stop that. I don't think you're going to leave me if you sleep with someone else. I have zero doubt that I'm the best sex you've ever had in your life. And if you find better sex, you should go have it. Most people, I think most people are an itch for someone. Mm-hmm. I'm really like this girl that I talked about, the doctor. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that if I actually got to have sex with her that I want to do it again. Mm-hmm. I don't know that, that I want to be with her. Mm-hmm. But it's an unscratched itch. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we, if you don't scratch an itch for long enough, it will drive you insane. Yeah, And that the best thing to do is, no, go scratch it. Trust me, if you're going to scratch it, it's going to be over. And I understand that. And you're going to love me more for, for having someone who said, go do what it is you want to do. I love you. Go, and I'm going to love you more for having done it. I know I do. Mm-hmm. You know? And then I, I know I've gotten away from the question, which was getting turned on. But the, no, that's the, okay. the, 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 the turned on thing. What I'm thinking about, too, is like my partner, who's a millennial, I'm sure is old-fashioned in a lot of ways in the turned-on thing. She is very good at creating tension in our relationship. And sometimes it's like we're watching a movie or we're having a discussion or we see each other and we look at each other in a certain way and then we go away from each other and then we come back to each other. And it's like that tension of being turned on, that whispering in someone's ear or saying something like that, I think that I see that as a millennial thing where there's like a, there's just a little bit more buildup and expression and enjoyment. Like you could even talk with a millennial about like maybe these are people that I'm turned on by or interested in. There's more like expression, yeah. expansive, broadest kind of thing. Like what turns you on? I think millennials are more comfortable even talking about that. I would say that largely that I find that to be true, that you can talk about and you say, my God, she or he is gorgeous. And you can talk about that. Right. And says that what do you find attractive about them? And it's not threatening. Yes. The other part I do, I, as you were saying that, I know I do that. I, someone told me one time, just remember, the seduction of a woman begins after her last orgasm. Oh, that's a good line. That I don't get you turned on by kissing your neck when I get home. I'm turning you on when I texted you a dirty thought earlier in the day. And that, that kind of thing that um, 
I think with millennials, that thing you're talking about, about I can text you something dirty and you will, and millennial will text me something back or send me back a picture, uh, pull their shirt up and take a picture. They will engage with you in that way so that turn, being turned on is a slow rolling snowball. Totally. The other thing millennials do is they send each other YouTube songs. <laughs> I was listening to this song thinking about you. Here is a link, a YouTube link text to this song. And that's like, that's so hot. I love music. It's I love one of, the, music. One, of the girl, one of the girls that I'm dating who's, who's a millennial started doing that. And I started doing it back. Yeah. But I had never done that before. But it was just, hey, this song... And sometimes it's not even anything. It just send me a YouTube a link to the YouTube song, and yeah. it's like, oh, okay. And so, um, it's and a she's message. much younger than me, so I send her songs that she's never heard. I sent she sent me some song by a band I had never heard of, and so my response was the uh, Stevie Nicks Don Henley song "Leather and Lace." Ooh. Which in which Stevie Nicks says, "I'll take you out of your leather, you take me out of my lace," mm. and and she was like, "That is so hot." And I realized, oh, yeah, you don't know who the fuck Stevie Nicks is. <laughs> like, Stevie Nicks is one of the sexiest ladies ever because she sang songs of, of total vulnerability. Uh, I, here are all the things about me, and I'm going to put it out in the world. Holy shit, deal with it. Drew, I want to say one more thing. This is so good. I want to say one more thing, which is I still romantically believe in monogamy. And I have so much respect for the polyamory world and the millennials and the vision and the view and everything. And it, it's blowing my mind. And I've seen it work really well. And I've seen it not work well, just like I've seen monogamy work really well. Sure, and, not well. and I think it takes a certain personality type, no matter what your age, to be in that realm. And so for myself, I know I want a, let's see, leaning more towards that monogamy, even if there's a part of me that's more open-minded or is, I'm totally willing to help hear my partner if there's a flirtation or a feeling or something. But also there's some of us that are still stuck in the land of monogamy. And I just, I just wanted to give that voice since we were talking about it. I totally agree with you. It, you know, whatever works. Sometimes I think it's just a matter of being open to whatever someone wants, because I know a lot of people who they're not comfortable in monogamy, but they don't want polyamory. And if you dig deeper, you find out, oh, no, 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 no. In the absolute, in the actual physical, they want to be monogamous. Mm -hmm. But they want to be able to tell you when they have fantasies. Totally. Or they want to be able to tell you when they're attracted to someone. And that's it. They just want to be able to share all of themselves with you. Someone, someone defined me one time as heteroflexible. <laughs> that's a good I one for you, I would never... I would never it doesn't feel right to describe myself as bisexual because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not really. And, mm -hmm. and, but I, I like the way they play. I'm hetero flexible. Yeah. I like that. That label works for you. Very good. Drew, I, I yeah. got to go because I've got another interview coming up, but thank you so much for taking the time to talk about your philosophies around sex and sensuality. It is an honor talking to you and I know we're going to have you on the program again. I loved it. I had fun. We'll do it. Any, we'll do it again anytime. I love it. Mwah. Bye, sweetie. Mwah. Bye. Did we make you laugh? Did you laugh at us? What sexual hang-ups do you have? Are you afraid of being rejected in your relationships? Take some time to write down all the fears you hold around love, loving, and sex. Then tear it up and burn it and create a love-sex wish list. 
Blessings to you. This has been a Lotus Lantern production. All rights reserved. 